Hi, my name is Tracy Cook and welcome to the podcast series Victim to Victory. This series gives a voice to those that have overcome obstacles in all forms that dare greatly to share their real stories. Amazing humans like our upcoming guests that have seen hope and risen above those adversities to become victorious that now go on to support, empower and inspire others to do the same. So please subscribe, like, comment and share. And don't forget about our Launch Brand and Market podcast course in the show notes. Our upcoming guest is a friend of mine. We met on a 2019 reality show in the United States. She is a power house. She is an inspirer. She is an empowerer and she leads from her heart. She is genuine and she is very real. She is a mentor in the network marketing space. Welcome Lisa Barrett-Oliver to Victim to Victory. Hello. You're so great. I love that. you. I mean, you're just, you're so uplifting yourself and I'm so, so honored that you would have me on your podcast. And I'm just so grateful that we were brought together back in 2019, just total, total happenstance and fate. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such an amazing journey and just watching you empower other people, especially within your team and things like that, and just your journey and really stepping into your own authenticity as well. And you're just so real, like, you, you don't put on any airs and graces. You're just you're just Lisa, but just the way that you actually show up online and in social media and in person is just so unique and refreshing in the world that we've got today. Now, obviously, you're not the Lisa um, now than potentially what your lived experiences throughout your life has made you. And our stories are our superhero cape and not our anchor. And I know how powerful and vulnerable um, your story is, and it's made you into the strong, determined, tenacious Lisa that we see in front of us today. So where does your story start? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that I really want to get across is that we all have a story. We all do, whether it's a huge event that has happened or maybe even just something small that, you know, we may ourselves not look at as significant, but we all have things that we have to overcome in life. And really, if I look at my whole life, there's a lot of things that have ha- have happened, you know things that are sad, things that are traumatic. And then, you know, but there's also things in my life that because of those events, I have to look back on and really see where I have come out of that. And, you know, specifically today, you know, back when, you know, I think back when I was 30 years old, I, at the moment, I thought that was like, you know, mature. (laughs) And now at 55, I think, gosh, at 30 years old, I was just such a kid. I was such a kid. Um, And to be that kid and have, you know, and to have an event like I did with my daughter, really, I look back on Lisa, the 30-year-old, and I really can appreciate who she thought she was, was this strong woman. And it's not that I wasn't. But I really just want to honor that young Lisa and what she went through and how she went through it. And it's kind of amazing. I have my oldest is 32 and I think about him and if if he had to go through the lot, he has a my granddaughter 
if he had to go through losing um, Nora, like, oh my gosh, I just, I can't imagine that for him. Yet that's where I was and losing my daughter, McKenna. And so my story really starts at being that woman, you know, I was married, had two boys and was pregnant with my third. And whether we all like to admit it or not, we kind of want that, you know, a boy and a girl or boys and at least, you know, a girl here and there. And so, of course, I thought, oh, it'd be great. You know, I have two boys and wouldn't it be nice to have this this girl have a daughter and um, holding on to that, not being totally connected to it, but, you know, kind of wanting that and then going for that ultrasound at 24 weeks. That's like right when you can find out and learning that, yeah, I'm going to have a girl and for the technician to be, yeah, it's a girl. And I was like excited, like, yay. And um, this had been the same technician through my previous two pregnancies with my boys. And I knew that there was something wrong from right after she said that. And that's when it was like, I didn't even want to ask. I honestly was like, let's just end it right here and be okay with, with what that is a girl. And we're all happy. And this is great news. And then the next thing was, she said, I need to go get the doctor. And we found out at that point early on that she actually had a birth defect that would, um, it would be pretty challenging to overcome, you know, and this is back in uh, 1998. And so, which doesn't seem that long in my brain, but in the realm of the world, it's a lot, it's, you know, decades ago. And to learn that she had a birth defect, it was called a congenital diaphragmatic hernia, which basically meant all of her abdominal organs were going to go into her chest. And, and that would mean that her lungs couldn't develop. So it was one of those things that it was, you know, going through a pregnancy, knowing, I didn't know if once she was born, if she was going to stay with us or not. And, you know, that was kind of the beginning of it all was, was how do I, you know, how do I go through that? How do I go through a pregnancy and stay positive and, you know, and encouraging to myself because there wasn't a lot of encouragement around me. You know, my doctors were not encouraging. I had to go to a, I lived in Wyoming at the time and the closest doctor was in the Denver, Colorado area. So that was a 90 mile drive, not horrible, but not close, but that's where the specialists were. And to spend most of my pregnancy down there listening to, you know, not the best news all the time, but they still, once I made my decision, like, yeah, we're going to, we're doing the best that we're going to do everything we can to bring her into this world as healthy as we can. And then when she gets here um, to do everything we can to keep her here. I mean, that was my focus. So I did everything I could. And, you know, and at the same time, you know, I was practicing law. I was an attorney, a trial attorney, not exactly the most relaxing (laughs) profession. And I had two boys who were, um, by the time McKenna was born, they were eight and um, almost three. So, you know, not exactly the easiest Mm. of ages either. 
And what and a range so of emotions as well, just going right. through that journey and being happy, but also trying to remain positive and do your career and still be a mum to the other kids. And it's, it's, it's quite a load to bear. It was. And there, you know, it's one of those things that I feel like, and I think about this often, even, I mean, even just daily now, how I've always had this like this knowing that everything's going to work out, you know, no matter what happens, it's all going to work out. Everything's going to be fine. And it doesn't mean that everything turns out exactly how you want it to, you know, but here I am, you know, 20, you know, 24, 25 years later. And, you know, it's as devastating as it was and as sad as it was. Um, there's a lot of good that has come out of it. I mean, even in my own children, you know, how they view the world and how they, I think, even look at challenges in life, you know, cause they saw, you know, my sons, you know, even my, my younger son who was, he was just short of three years old when McKenna was born, how much he remembers is actually shocking. And it just tells you the emotional impact of that time. And it really, it really just sets the bar, you know, of, of what you can overcome. And, you know, that was part of it, just, you know, keeping your emotions in check, there was it was a lot of emotional ups and downs. And just always keeping my focus on getting her here. It, my focus was we're going to get her here, we're just going to get her here. You know, that's what my focus was. And then just take the next steps after that. Just take right. one step at a time, see what was right. to, to come of that. Where did your right. journey go from there? Yeah, so then um, she was born. It wasn't it wasn't as planned. We tried to plan it as well as we could, but um, sometimes plans just don't work out. And that's how life is. And so I went into labor and in Wyoming, I didn't have enough time to get to Colorado on my own. So they had to flight for life me um, in a helicopter from Wyoming down into Col to Colorado to the hospital. So I didn't have anybody there because nobody could get there as fast. And so it was basically me when I got to Colorado until, you know, family could drive there. And so I got there was, I felt like I really kept it together until the, I got in the gurney from the helicopter into the um, elevator. And when I came out of the elevator into the floor, that's when I just lost it. Yeah. I think it was just one of those moments I held it together as long as I could. And then it was just like the floodgates just opened. And I think part of it was I was now in a place where I knew other people were there to take care of everything for me. I didn't have to hold it all together anymore just myself that I had all these doctors and nurses and specialists around me that were gonna really gonna hold my hand through it and they did and they did a great job and McKenna was born and she if you just looked at her completely normal beautiful girl I mean I mean you would not know anything was wrong with her but unfortunately there was and so she went immediately into um the neonatal ICU 
and she stayed there. She had to have a surgery that basically put her on a machine that would circulate her blood for her because her lungs, she, she only had about on the, on the left side, she had no lung. It was just totally not developed. And on the right side, she had about a half of a lung. And so they had to do what they could to give her time outside of me to grow those lungs. And so she had to be put on what's called an ECMO machine. It's a, it's a, it's a nasty machine. And the doctors had warned me beforehand, so it wasn't shocking or anything, but it basically acted as her heart and her lungs. And when they took her off of that machine, cause you can only be on it so long. And then your body just, the blood doesn't function well outside the body. And so they brought it, they said they had to take her off and they really braced me for her not making it. They said, the odds are she's not going to, this isn't going to work. But it was basically throwing everything at it to keep her alive. And shockingly, she came out of it great. She, she made it through that transition and we were all kind of just took that deep breath. Like, okay, we made it through the worst part. And I can still remember going to eat lunch like even just leaving the, you know, ICU was like, it just didn't happen. And I can remember being like, okay, everything's going to be okay now. And I went to have lunch and I came back and there were doctors in her room that weren't normally in her room. And I was like, oh, what's wrong? And as well as she did, she wasn't going to make it. And it's, it's interesting to look back on it now. And like, just, there's a part of me that just accepted it in a way because you just don't want to see your child suffer like that. You just don't want to see it. Mm. And, and I knew they, they let me hold her. And so I held her and um, they left me and her dad alone in the room with her and I was holding her and they, Everybody left. They turned off all the machines because you can tell from the machines what's going on. And I learned all those machines over the nine days she was alive. And they left the room. And I can remember looking at her and I looked at her dad and I said, she's she's gone. And maybe, I don't know, 30 seconds later, a doctor walked in and said something to her dad and and he said, she already knows. And so it's like, I knew before they even came and told me. And that was really, you know, it was hard because I think whenever anybody has any sort of trauma in their life or loss, that's just, I mean, any of it. I think the hardest part or one of the harder parts is your world just stops. Everything stops. And it's the strangest thing because the rest of the world doesn't stop with you and it keeps moving. And that was one of the more surreal parts of it all was that I just didn't know how to even, you know, what was the next step? You know, I didn't have anybody die in my life that I was responsible for. And it was even just like, what do I do now? Like, how do I, you know, how do I take care of me? What do I do for my sons and how do I tell them? And just, you know, a lot of, 
confusion and sadness all at the same time. And it was just one of the worst, honestly, one of the worst things in my life. And if you knew my whole story of my whole life, you know, there's not, there are other, you know, bad things that happened in my life, but I'll tell you what, this is one that just totally, it was the most challenging. It really was in a lot of ways. And I think it was for a lot of people around me too. Thank you so much for for sharing that, Lisa, because I know I'm tearing up here. <laughs> I I know how hard that is to to share and just your bravery. Um and the remembrance of, you know, the lovely McKenna, you know, lives on in your heart and your family's heart and your boy's heart. And, you know, trying to figure out why. Why why did this happen? Um you know, it tests your faith, it, it tests your 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 emotional strength. And Lisa, you know, you've already survived a hundred percent of your worst days and still here you are, um, wanting to be a, a better version, wanting to uplift other people through your lived experiences and trying to find a, a message amongst the, the the mess and the obstacles that are always presented to you throughout your life and it's just a, a a testimony that it's it's okay to say you need help it's it's okay to lean on others when you need support and we can only hold on for so long especially as you know as as mothers and women we're spinning all those plates in the air all the time and you know just just taking care of ourselves and pouring into ourselves because if we don't we can't pour into anybody else and you're just such a testimony to to that and um I thank you once again for your for your bravery in in sharing that that's story with us and I just can't reiterate enough like the testimony to you and your character of um overcoming and working on your personal growth to help others as well and um your journey at the moment um you're 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 a powerhouse in the network marketing arena um you're inspiring people every day to live a healthier and better life and have a better mental well-being and what kind of message would you like to leave everybody on today lisa yeah i think the main thing is is that you know like i said we all have stuff we all have you know excuse my French, but we all have shit that we, we go through. We all do. And, you know, I just, just know that it's okay. And know that as long as you can focus into the future on what you really want in life, you know, what is it that you really want to strive for? And who is it that you want to be for other people? And those other people, it doesn't have to be that you have to save the world even, but who can you be for your spouse? Who can you be for your children? You know, who can be, you know, if you're not, if not married, don't have kids, then who can you be just for your friends and your community? And really, it's if we all can just help each other and lift each other up and support each other and whatever our goals are in life, you know, we're better for it and the world is better for it. And this, I just want everyone to know that, you know, it doesn't matter what you've been through. And I don't mean that like to dismiss it. What I mean is that just always know that it always works out. But the biggest piece of it always working out is you deciding that it's going to work out. I can't imagine 
I mean, I, the worst thing that's ever happened to me, and I kind of joke with my other kids that, you know, the rule is nobody else dies before me. That's our rule in our family, because I don't know that I could handle it again. Mm-hmm. But I do know I could. I just don't want to. But it's like, even with my kids, you know, teaching them that their hard days, their challenging days, they're learning from it. They are learning from it. And they're becoming better because of it. And that sometimes our challenges get really big and they feel overwhelming. But trust me, if just face your challenges along the way. And you do, it's like a muscle. If you're just, you're building it and you're getting stronger and it may not be that you ever have to be stronger for yourself, but you maybe need to be stronger for somebody else. Very powerful indeed. Very powerful. Please connect with Lisa. She's very brave for sharing her story. You're very appreciated in the victim to victory uh, community. And you are also a collaborative author in the victim to victory book and that will be out on Amazon. So make sure you go and purchase the book from Amazon, The Victim to Victory book, where you can read Lisa's story as well. You can find The Victim to Victory podcast on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. And if you got value from today, which I know you have, uh, please subscribe and comment, show support to Lisa, connect with her if you're wanting a mentor. And don't forget to check out the Launch Brand and Market podcast course in our show notes. And let me leave you with a message of wear your story like a superhero cape and not an anchor. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you, Tracy. See you on the next episode. 